I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. So good to be with you again. If you're a visitor, my name is Bob Cook, and I'm uh, visiting here. I'm a pastor from Grand Junction, associate pastor there at one of our churches. And this church three weeks ago said goodbye to a beloved senior pastor who had been here for 17 years. And during this transition time, the board has asked me to come and fill the pulpit, and I'm honored to be here today. Next Sunday, I can't be here. We've got family coming in, a son and his family who live in Kenya, Africa, are coming in. Our daughter, who lives in another foreign country, Alabama, is also coming in. <laughs> no offense to you Alabamans. But uh, all the family's coming in, and we're having a big family reunion, and so I won't be here next Sunday. Uh, two weeks from today, I'll be here, and I'm bringing some friends with me from Grand Junction, and they're going to help me preach the sermon, tag team. Three weeks today, I'm, I'm going to preach a sermon about how baseball is like life. Is there anybody here that likes baseball? Okay, that's good. And I'm going to preach, I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching in a baseball jersey, Okay. I don't know if that's allowed here, but I'm going to do it. And if you want to wear your baseball jerseys, uh, that would be cool. Amen? Hey, thanks to the sound guys, the light guys, the computer guys, all the people up there in that dark expanse of that room right there. How many of you appreciate what they do? They get here early. They get here early in the morning. And they work hard for us. I appreciate the worship team. I love your pastors. I arranged to meet with them last night, pastors and spouses and their kids. We went to a fancy restaurant. We went to In-N-Out Hamburgers. Yeah, and because today is National Ice Cream Day, we went to Cold Stone Creamery after In-N-Out Burgers. Yeah! Are you impressed with our choice of restaurants? Some of you aren't. That's all right. Love your pastors. I love your board. I appreciate each one of them. Praying for them each day. You need to pray for the board during this transition. They're making some incredibly important decisions about the future of this church. So please hold them up in prayer. You got a bulletin as you came in or a little outline form, and some of you may have decided... Mildred, let's turn around and leave because this sermon title is awful. Things you might hear at a funeral. Strange sermon title, isn't it? We're going to talk about some serious stuff, but first I've got to tell you, I've known about some funny things that happened at cemeteries and funerals. That one cemetery, that headstone that allegedly says, I told you I was sick. Some of you, that just went right over <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love my, my daughter-in-law, Sarah Jane. She's married to my son, Josh. And she told us one time that when she was a little girl, she was like five or six years old, 
She went to her first funeral. Her mother took her to the funeral of her great-grandfather. And they sat there close to the front uh, in the family section. And uh, Sarah Jane, again, just small, didn't understand protocol. But uh, she said, she asked her mom a question rather loudly so most of the people could hear. She said, hey, mom, who's in the box? Yeah, but I love the, the one that my friend, uh, he, Mel Bass is his name. He's about my age. He's the, one of the world's most eligible bachelors, never been married, and he says, I'm waiting for the right lady to come along. And uh, he's been a tremendous children's pastor for decades and part of church staffs. And, and he said uh, he would go to, to weddings at the churches that he served in, and people would kind of poke him during the wedding and say, hey, Mel, you're next. And he just kind of got tired of it. So he started attending the funerals in the church. Some of you already know where this is going. And he would sit next to some of the folks, some of the elderly folks, and during the service he would poke them and say, you're next. Stand with me, would you? I'm going to preach a simple sermon. It's one of the simplest, I believe, easiest to understand sermons that I will ever preach. And I'm going to preach quickly here today because I, I want our worship team to sing that song. But I want to preach about things you might hear at a funeral. Let's read God's word together. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 beginning to read with verse 1. You can open your Bible or it's on your insert. I think it'll be up on the screen. It's a familiar portion of Scripture. Let's read it out loud together, shall we? Here we go. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Heavenly Father, I sense your presence here. You've been here with us. From the very beginning of this service where two or three are gathered in your name there, you are. You show up among your people. Your word is anointed. I pray that you will help me today. Touch every life here today. I pray that you would keep us from distraction. Keep us from our cell phones going off. May we hear what your spirit is saying to every one of us here today. And I pray it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. Things you might hear at a funeral. If I would have had time, I would have sent out a note to all of you, and you could have emailed me things that you think you might hear. I just want to share simple things that I think you might hear at a funeral, especially one that I would preach. The first thing that I know you would hear, number one is, we are all terminal. <laughs> you say, Pastor Bob, why don't you cheer us up a little bit first? Now let's say that together. We are all terminal. We are all going to die. Yes, we believe in this church. I believe the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is coming again for his church. We believe in that. We believe in the rapture of the church. We look forward to it. I, I say today would be a good day for the coming of the Lord. 
But if he chooses to delay his return, if he doesn't come for another 50, 100, 150 years, all of us, all of us will breathe our last breath. Later in Ecclesiastes, the writer says this, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. It's interesting, yesterday I noticed a post on social media of a young lady who attended a funeral yesterday, and she observed, she said, you know, it's good for us every once in a while to go to a funeral because in her words, it helps us to reboot the things that are most important. The Bible speaks to the stark reality of death. The medical term, of course, the medical field, of course, uses the term terminal, describing a terminal disease, such as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Terminal. There's many forms of cancer. Some of you have had diagnoses given to you that it is terminal. But here's the truth. We all have a terminal disease. Our bodies began on the road toward death the moment we were born. These present bodies are mortal. I want you to say, Pastor, tone it down. No, the text we just read intimates that a walk through a cemetery may not be a bad thing because death is the destiny of everyone here. Look around you. The people sitting near you, they are all terminal. But she's so beautiful and she's only 21. Terminal. But he's such a big hunk of humanity. Terminal. Yes. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, not me, old man. I'm drinking some special vitamin juice that I buy at Sprouts. <laughs> Only 50 bucks an ounce. But I'm going to cheat death, baby. No, you're not dealing with reality. Now, we should take care of ourselves, amen? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should not abuse them in any way. But again, regardless of how much exercise you get or how excellent your nutritional plan is, you are eventually going to die. Probably a few minutes ago when I mentioned In-N-Out Burgers and Cold Stone Creamery, some of you were saying, we don't go to non-nutritional places like that. Bless your little heart. You'll probably live about 20 seconds longer than we will. <laughs> no, we should eat in a healthy way. And we all have fantasies in our minds about how, you know, it's going to work out. I, Sherilyn and I, we have one of those fantasies, you know, this, this is how we're going to die. It's going to happen in 2045, about 27 years from now. And I'll be 95, and Sherilyn will be 93. A few weeks before, we will have celebrated our 75th wedding anniversary. Give us a hand for that. Yes. Ha-ha. 
It's going to be wonderful. Just a couple of weeks after we have spent the last of the, in kid, of the kids' inheritance. <laughs> and just a few weeks after the Social Security system implodes. 2045, yeah. It'll be a good day. We'll still live in the same house that we live in today. And uh, I'll still be in good health. I'll play nine holes of golf in the morning. I'll mow the lawn in the afternoon. Sherilyn will go to countless malls shopping. And we'll go to bed that night. And uh, we'll kiss each other. We'll say, I love you. And our dog will hop up on the bed. Of course, by then, he'll be 34. We'll kiss each other, tell each other we love. In the middle of the night, we'll both die in our sleep, and we'll be in heaven. But now wait, wait, wait. I know, you're saying that's dumb. But face it, we, we've, all, we've all thought that's the way we would want to go. But we all know that life doesn't always happen that way. My brother lost his wife a couple of years ago to ovarian cancer. It didn't work out the way he thought it would. Tragedies come along. Again, cancer. I hate cancer. SID, sudden infant death syndrome. Car accidents, drunk drivers, murders, senseless shootings with innocent victims, Alzheimer's, dementia. I hate those two words. Terrorist attacks, war, heart attacks, and on and on. How will we respond when things happen? Some people act as if they didn't realize that death is part of our existence. We are all terminal. That's something you might hear at a funeral. The second thing you might hear at a funeral is this. We need to love each other while we can. We need to love each other while we can. Let's say it out loud. We need to love each other while we can. 1 John 4.11 Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 Peter 1.22 Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, comma, love one another deeply from the heart. Men and women, don't wait to express your love for people. Love and appreciate people now. Don't wait until a funeral and say nice things about them. Tell them today. In fact, on your way out today, tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you appreciate them. Don't hold grudges. I know you're saying, well, that's the 930 service. They needed that. <laughs> Men and women, it's true. Don't hold grudges. Be forgiving. Resolve family fights. Amen. Got kind of quiet there. I've known people who say, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I speak in tongues all the time. But I got family members I hate. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you're not spirit-filled. Oh, you don't know what that is. <laughs> Take the first step. Resolve your family fight. 
forgive people. Model the spirit of Jesus who forgave those who put him on the cross. Don't wait until the funeral and then boo-hoo to everyone that you forgot to call your loved one for the past five years. Well, I'm just not too expressive. Well, change. Well, I, I just grew up in a home where dad just grunted. <clears throat> you don't have to be a grunter. Amen? Well, I told my wife that I loved her on the day we got married, and if anything changed, I would tell her. <laughs> How dumb is that? Let's love each other. Love each other while we can. Every time I leave the house for work, yesterday before I left the house, Sherilyn and I held hands. We hugged each other. I said, babe, I love you. And we prayed. And I walked out the door. This morning, I talked to her. This afternoon, as I drive back to Colorado, I'll call her. I say, well, why do you, why do you, why do you have to tell her you love her? Because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Amen? Let's love each other while we can. Friends, love each other while you can. It was Thursday, June 5, 2014, over four years ago. I walked out of our church facility early on a Thursday morning. A number of men meet together with me early, and we pray, and then we go to breakfast together. It's kind of a small group, and we, it's a wonderful time. But this one day, our good friend Dave, what a prayer warrior. I still remember where he always sat and knelt when he prayed on Thursday mornings. We walked out together. Our cars were parked next to each other. And Dave had told me that I can't go to breakfast because we got some other family stuff going on. And I hugged his neck. I said, Dave, I love you, brother. I appreciate you and what you and your family mean to this church. Twelve hours later, I sat in a room just off the ER of St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction. I was sitting there with Dave's wife and their three adult children when the doctor came in and said, Mrs. Schaefer, I am so sorry. Dave did not make it. He suffered a massive heart attack. I'm so glad that that morning I told Dave, I love you, buddy. End conversations with your loved ones and your dear friends by telling them you love them and you appreciate them. And all the church said amen. amen. Point number three, things you may hear at a funeral. Third point is all of us need to prepare for eternity. All of us need to prepare for eternity. Let's do something scary. Turn to somebody near you and say, you need to prepare for eternity. Go ahead. Hebrews 9.27. I know I just started some fights in the balcony probably. <laughs> Hebrews 9.27. What does it say? Man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. <laughs> By the way, I have people say, Brother Bob, I just can't understand the Bible. Duh. <laughs> That's not hard to understand. You don't need to know Greek or Hebrew. 
It's pretty plain. Man is destined to die once. And by the way, ladies, you may say, no, not me. It says man. <laughs> no, it's mankind destined to die once and after that to face judgment. It's a central truth in Christianity that every one of us who have ever lived will stand before a holy God one day. We do not believe in reincarnation. We do not believe the Bible teaches that. The book of Revelation in chapter 20, we're not going to turn there, but you can read about it. It talks about the dead, all the dead being judged. The book will be opened, and we will all be judged according to what we have done. I realize our world, many in our world, scoffs at this notion. They will make fun of you if you believe it. But the Bible clearly teaches this truth. And by the way, I believe the Bible is the living word of God. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Someday you will stand before God. No more secrets. The skeletons in your closet. No. No rationalization of why you couldn't live for Jesus. No more blaming others. No blaming dad, mom, sister, brother, husband, wife, President Obama, or President Trump. No blaming the federal government. No blaming your former spouse. And on and on and on it could go. No, every one of us one day will stand before God. And for the Christians that are here, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. The second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 5, verse 10, he says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That is for Christians. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And that's a whole other sermon. Christians, what are you doing with the grace that you've been given? Woo. Here's the plain truth. Sir, ma'am, you need to prepare for that day when you face eternity, when you step into eternity. Prepare for it. Do it now. Don't procrastinate. But Pastor, I'm waiting until next week or next month. Pastor, I'm waiting until I'm older. I think I'll wait until I'm 65. Well, again, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Your life is a mist. The Bible says your life is like a vapor. Prepare for eternity. You say, how do I prepare for eternity? I am so glad you asked that question because that brings me to point number four. Here's another thing you might hear at a funeral. Salvation is free. Say it with me. Salvation is free. It's a free gift. You can't earn it with amazing good deeds. Here's what the Bible says. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, say that word with me. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Some basic scriptures. For it is by grace. Paul says, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Simple truths. Even a child can understand it. It's a gift. You can't work for it. 
You see, the reason is that the price has already been paid. Salvation is free because the price was paid. It was paid on the cross. We took communion a few moments ago. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. That he paid the price for your sin. We confess our sin, our selfishness. We ask him to save us, to become our savior. It's free. Salvation is free. But hear me, it isn't cheap. It's not cheap. Oh, no, the price was huge, but you didn't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it with his life. Why? Because he values your life. Ma'am, the God of the Bible, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they value your life. They want you to know abundant and eternal life. Your life is worth so much. Anybody here ever had any real estate? Owned some property? Maybe some of you are going through what I call real estate nightmare. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting. You ask people, well, what's that worth? What's your house worth? What's that property worth? Oh, it's worth $400,000. It's worth $2 million. And we set prices on it, don't we? When people ask us, what's it worth? But here's the truth, and sometimes it's the truth that we don't want to hear. A piece of property is worth only what someone else is willing to pay for it. Let me say that again. Most real estate agents, if they are honest, will say something is worth only what someone else is willing to pay for it. Here's the point I'm wanting to make here. What's the value of your life? It is huge. The value of your life is huge because Jesus went to the cross for you. He suffered pain and agony. He shed his blood because he valued your life. He knew all of your stuff. He knew what you would do. He knew that you would be lost. He knew that you would be terminal, that you would be undone, headed for punishment. And that God loved you so much, he endured Calvary. I love what my good friend, Dick Foth, he's one of my favorite communicators. He's the president of Bethany Bible College. He said this. this he said, this is, this is the plan of salvation. God says this. Grab hold of this. God says, I'll leave my place. I'll come to your place. I'll take your place so you can come to my place. Isn't that good? That's good. God says, I'll leave my place. I'll come to your place. I'll take your place so you can come to my place. Point five, and I close with this. Another thing you may hear at a funeral, especially if it's a funeral preached by me. Number five is simply this. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. That's not just a movie title, but by the way, if you haven't seen that movie, you need to rent it. It is an awesome movie. First Thessalonians chapter 4, familiar portion of Scripture. 
It's a good one. Have it underlined in your Bible. Paul writes to the church, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Notice that Paul acknowledges that we grieve as Christians when our loved ones die, when our friends die, we grieve. I grieved this morning Though I don't know even the name of the person, I grieved this morning over the news that a young man, a young father, a firefighter in California was killed in one of the the fires. I, I grieved. We grieve for our family. But the difference here is that we don't grieve like the world grieves because we know we have hope. We know that this life is not the end of the story. Amen. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hallelujah. Heaven is for real. I don't understand all about it. People come to me and say, well, I don't. the Bible doesn't give us all the details about heaven. In fact, I say, stay away from people who've said, I've written a book. It tells you all the details about heaven. The Bible doesn't tell us everything about heaven. I don't know all the stuff about heaven. Somebody came up to me recently and said, well, there be our animals in heaven. Well, I don't know the book of Revelation talks about horses. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to be riding on a white horse. I, I have to believe dogs are going to be there. My dogs, at least. I don't know about your cats. I just don't know. And I don't think ferrets are going to be there. I'm neither thinking, I, I, I don't know a lot about heaven. But I, I do know that the Bible gives us some important clues about heaven. You see, I think heaven is going to be so far beyond what any of us ever think. But we think, oh, bucket list, Switzerland, gorgeous, wow. Or Lake Tahoe, wow. We think of all these places and we think, wow, it's going to be like that. And oh, I love that house. I love that floor plan. Oh, that's exactly like my mansion's going to be. Men and women, heaven is going to be so far beyond anything that our finite mind could ever come up with. But there are some wonderful things. That the God of the Bible says, Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 21, the next to the last chapter, verses 3 and 4. 
Here it is. He says, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love this line. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. No more stinking cancer. No more Alzheimer's. No more drunk drivers. No more texting drivers. For the old order of things has passed away. Jesus told his disciples that he was leaving them, but he was preparing a place for them. And he also told them he would not forget to come back again. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.